listening to the Tennis.com podcast. And here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hey, everyone. Latest Tennis.com podcast here on a balmy Monday. Pete Bodo, Richard Pagliaro, Ed McGrogan, Steve Tigner taking advantage of the, uh, the temperatures for vacation, and, and we'll all be following suit eventually. But we're here for now, and uh, this week on the schedule, um, mostly on the ATP side, we have the long-forgotten Hamburg tournament, now still played on clay, still a pretty big field, but you know, it's not getting, uh, not getting the kind of publicity it once was as a Masters. And then in the U.S., we have the U.S. Open Series, for whatever it's worth, starting in Atlanta, which is an American heavy tournament, as you might guess. Um, we're going to talk about a lot of those players today. Uh, so let's start actually with John Isner. I feel this is a good talking point here. He just won Newport, um, and I think now with Wimbledon behind, and that was such a big deal, obviously, for Isner to get that kind of past him, and maybe this summer turns into a really sort of breakthrough, a breakthrough time of year for him, maybe like it did for Marty Fish last year. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on Isner? Maybe sort of just his prospects for this summer. He can use a breakthrough. I, my only concern with him is that I, I I don't like him as a Heat player particularly. I mean, you know, I, I you know I, I know he played at Georgia. He's used to the hot weather. He's from North Carolina, but you know, I, I really have questions about his stamina in general. And I don't know if he's where he needs to be with that or where he wants to be with that. But I, I kind of like his chances better on grass. I frankly am a little bit surprised. I you know, kind of expected him to maybe do a little bit better at Wimbledon. I could see him really going deep at Wimbledon sometime. And I think these conditions are going to be tough for him. This humidity, this intense, cloying humidity and heat, I think it's going to be tough for him. Yeah. But having said that, I mean, he's he's our best shot, no question about as it. You, yeah, as you were saying before we, we got on here, uh, Pete, there's a lot of sort of, uh, Isner gets to come home a couple times, basically. He's going to Georgia this week, where he played for the University of Georgia. Winston-Salem is where he's from. He's from Greensboro, technically, but he gets to go to that one right before the Open begins. It's a new tournament, the John Isner Open. <laughs> yeah, the, that's right. Just like Georgia was last year, it was basically the Isner Open there, too. So um, he, gets a, he gets a couple of, and those are, you know, those are obviously lower-tier events where Isner's going to be one of the highest seeds. He's number three in Atlanta. Uh, so it's it's definitely a time that he could he could make hay here. It sounds like altogether. Yeah, and I think right out of the box he'd have what the winner of Blake Gulbis, I believe he'd have. So that's you know sort of hit the ground running. And I think Newport, I, I saw him. He looked really good there. The, the concern, I think, in addition to what Pete says, is also you know breaking serve is always the big challenge with him. If he can get a break a set, it's so hard to break the guy on a hard court. You gotta like. His chances, it just comes down to, you know, he plays a lot of tie-break sets. Now, really. now, Isner, to your point, Pete, about being that stamina guy, that, to me, really translates as can he, can he win all the matches needed to, find, to, you know, to get these titles? Because Isner is, I think, to this point, made a career out of um, big moment matches. He, besides the Wimbledon match, he beats Andy Roddick at the U.S. Open in a fifth-set tiebreaker, uh, but we, I guess we haven't seen uh, the, and he only has, I think, a couple titles up to this point right now. Yeah, so, you know, it is kind of funny that here we are talking about the stamina. Maybe I'm the maybe I'm at fault here. Is talking about the stamina of a guy who went 70, 68 in the fifth at Wimbledon. Right. So, There's a bit of irony right. in there, yeah. But, but, but really, and he plays quick points, too, when his, you know, he's not, it's not like he's grinding out there, you know. Yeah, but you know, I just I, I think it's less. It's not so much the endurance factor. It's just you know, functioning in these conditions is what I'm really driving at with him. I think I I don't think he functions that well in these 
kinds of conditions because he's a big guy. He's moving a lot of stuff around the court. And he gets a little hangdog. I mean, he got a little hangdog. I mean, that's a little bit his way. Pete Sampras was that way too. You could look at him and think the guy's losing or, you know, the guy's cooked and he's, he's, he can't move anymore. And all of a sudden, you know, he's playing great again. But I mean, I think he's, I saw, we saw it at the US Open last year. You know, he kind of has a way of just kind of, going through the motions through a match and he'll pick his moment to strike and win. And, you know, I, I don't know how long, I don't know how often you can do that, whether you can do that frequently enough to win some of those big titles, like a Masters title, win right. three tough matches to win Toronto or something like that. Right, right. because you've seen him in spurts. Like, remember when he broke out, it was in D.C. a few years ago when he strung together all those wins. You just want to see him sustain it. We will see. Uh, Marty Fish, the next player I want to hit on, who had a, a big summer last year. He went to the Cincinnati final against Federer, um, kind of really turned his career around, and, and that's still kind of carried over to this year. He just had the Davis Cup, which I, I know we'll touch on here. But for Fish, the question I, I, I sort of want to ask is, uh, he's a veteran player, obviously, already. Um, in your guys' opinion, when does the Marty Fish nice story kind of really flow into the expectations once we get to that point you know it's been the nice comeback has he really already sort of plateaued i guess is what i'm oh, i think the at. time is now right now because he's got all the points on the table to defend and the the one concern i have for him and and i and i love his game that that he's an all court player it's just that with the weight loss and and the endurance improvement and he's a step quicker he sometimes gets too defensive now where you'll see him even in davis cup where he got dragged into those 25 30 ball rallies with ferrer you're not winning those rallies with a guy like ferrer yeah, and you're just had, not yeah, you can't and, let that happen yeah, and his forehand you know for sure is right. not the offensive shot right. that you it, it is a shot that sort of reminds me of a player who is more of a more apt to be in sort of rally defensive mode. It's just not a point ending shot like his his backhand, which I think most people agree is his top stroke there. Um, I just sort of, like to see him play, pick the tempo up, and play short eight to twelve ball route and use his net. The guy's got a beautiful net game, beautiful volley. I just don't think he uses it enough on a hard court. You know, yeah, there's where, something there's something passive about his game. There right. always has been. You know, there right. there've been these moments. He's been in a lot of positions to win matches, and people put it down. I guess the choking they put it down to, and or being out of shape. You know, not being not having the energy and the emotional and mental stamina, in addition to the physical stuff, to close out matches. But there's been a little bit of all that. But the bottom line, when you add all those things up there's a, always been a kind of passivity about Mar- marty you know that this you know kind of lack of a willingness to to go on and win it to really push it to play exactly the way you know he he seems to need to play get the points over quick you know close out the deal there's just he's always seems like the reluctant warrior in that sense and mm-hmm. and i think this davis cup thing is going to hurt him i mean he you know he, he you know yeah, it was, what, it was what tough your, for him yeah that, i mean both yeah. of, both of those losses were their losses that would stick for a while so what you, yeah and they were mean? actually unfortunately they were the defined they, they were the tone setting you know matches of of the time first the way the, the draw last, worked right. out you know the first match and he puts us in a hole and then you know the the double saves us and then he's got to go out and play that fourth match as as the number one guy and it was an awful lot to ask of him you know i mean that's unfortunately it's a tough thing davis cup call you know he's playing at one of the two guys is playing is ranked way above him the other guy's really on a hot streak so it wasn't like he played bad matches but you know at some level you know you kind of wish that a guy like like marty would end up winning those eight six and a fifth right. matches more often than he does right has has um isn't there kind of figured into the it's just since we talk about davis cup what do you th- his career, I know you talk with Courier a lot, but what, does John Isner kind of figure into the, the 
Davis Cup plans maybe sooner than later. Just kind of, I think this is actually a pretty big summer for Courier now that the U.S. has been eliminated from the World Group, and you can kind of see where where these various players go, how they, you know, what their results are, and we could see, you know, maybe maybe a little switcheroo as to the the Davis Cup lineup in the coming coming ties too. Well, it's unfortunate. I mean, I haven't discussed this specifically with Jim, but you know. I think what you're looking, you know, if you look back now a year ago, you had it looked like Query and Isner were going to basically take over the Davis Cup. It was going to become their Roddick was going to pass it over to them. He'd be the number one singles guy. They'd be in the mix, potential doubles team. Raise a couple of problems, of course. What do you do with the Bryans? Because you know you're committing to an all doubles team, which means you can only get two other singles players. So there were there were problems and issues there. But you kind of thought those guys were going to come through. Now, I mean, Sam Sam Query has been one of the big disappointments of this year. I mean, there's no doubt about that. He's had his problems, obviously. But, you know, even before, you know, any physical issues came up, you know, you just were kept thinking, when's the guy going to win some matches? And Marty, you know, the other thing is Marty's kind of getting a little bit older. This magic autumn is not going to last forever. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think there's going to be a good time to reexamine a Davis Cup scenario, but it's not looking like those two guys who looked so promising at one time. They're not looking quite like the answer, you know, in quotes at this point. Right. The uh, A couple other Americans I want to touch on who are playing in Atlanta here, two sort of groups here. Um, let's start with the with the the older couple of the two. We have James Blake, Robbie Ginepri playing this event. And when I, when I think about these two guys right now, I'm thinking back six years ago to 2005 where it was James Blake uh, on the comeback trail, whatever his story obviously turned out quite well for him. Now I feel like it's the same story again with James Blake here, but even more so maybe for Ginepri, who's been out with an injury for, for quite some time. So, um, And quite possibly the most unlikeliest Grand Slam semifinalist of all time. Who knows? What do, what do you, I mean, these might be good stories, but um, you know, Ginepri, oddly, I always kind of thought his game worked pretty well on hard courts, too, with the, the big spin, and he could go... He, just kind of relentless sometimes with his shot making. Yeah, I thought with Ginepri, he always had a higher percentage game than he wanted to play. In other words, he could always play, you know, he could play, keep himself more in the match, but he, he almost wanted to play a little like a younger Agassi and sort of pull the trigger on the down the line, play a little flatter when he didn't need to do that because he was a much better athlete than people thought. He's a lot quicker around the court. It's really hard to know what he's going to bring to the table. I think he played that one challenger, and, you know, he's coming home playing in Atlanta. You'd like to see him come back. And also, it was an elbow injury, so that's sort of restrictive in and in, in of itself. You don't know what he's going to bring. I think Blake is kind of looking for that one more big moment before he pulls the plug. And, and uh, certainly, would you, would you call it a big moment if he beats Ginepri here, or what? What, what would you? What would well, you he plays golf his first round. Right, right. I mean, if I mean, to, you know, Galbus is a head case that's himself. Tough, that's but a I, tough match. Yeah, this is a tough match. But you know, Blake likes the pace. If I mean, if he were able to win that match, and what he'd get to Isner. I mean. If he was able to make a little bit of a run here, it would be a, a nice moment. But I think he's looking bigger. I think he's looking like a fourth round of a U.S. Open, something like that. It would, but it would it would at least register this week when it's a pretty pretty dim week. Right. Otherwise, otherwise, now. Um, but I think of all those guys, I think you know you're right on on, on target. That Ginepri, you know, it's really hard to know. But you see these kind of a bunch of Americans that are kind of on the cusp of. Do they have another one in them, or are we seeing them sort of phase out? You know, and, uh, and now the we'll moment thing you're talking about here. This actually kind of brings me to the to the last two players I want to talk about. It's Donald Young and Ryan Harrison. And the reason I mention that is a tournament like this, like Atlanta, these small events that that are really the attention getters this week. This seems like just the kind of place for someone like Ryan Harrison to 
if he would make a run, it's it's kind of like I think the statement that he would that he you know could springboard into something bigger. Just an event like this where, you know, Harrison has proved proved at Wimbledon that um, I I think a lot of the hype about him is is pretty warranted. I think a lot of us still kind of pick apart his game. He's still a very young player, but but this is um you know this might be just the event for him to kind of break out and let some more people know about him. Well, yeah, there'll be a lot of support for Donald Young, who spent so much time in Atlanta, of course, and you know. Um, so I think they're, they're going to turn on on mass for him because you know most of our listeners know that Atlanta is the tennis town in the U.S. I think it's this tremendous infrastructure of tennis players, and you know, you always wondered why there wasn't a bigger tournament there. There was for a while, then it went away. Now it's back. It's a great thing that we have tennis again in Atlanta. But I think the, uh, there's going to be a lot of young support there. I I also think Harrison. I think Harrison is going to have. Want to, want to make a statement. Um, you know, there was a controversy with Donald Young in the USTA. Donald really thought he was maybe ought to got, have gotten a wild card for the French Open. And, um, you know, it was an unfortunate situation where by ranking, he really should have qualified, except the cutoff his ranking wasn't high enough, even though he actually earned a direct entry uh, ranking, you know, in subsequent weeks. But um, anyway, he got, you know, he was sort of disgruntled that he didn't get that wild card. And, you know, Harrison might be wanting to make a statement on on behalf of the USTA, mm-hmm. where he's pretty tight with those guys. He's been on a U.S. Davis Cup team. So he's got a little bit of something to prove here to show that, you know, you know, was, they're doing the right thing. That's what that's what he he wants to show, I think. Yeah. There's also a couple other fun players I'll just mention in this draw here. Um Tommy Haas, who we talked about here before, um, you can maybe mention something by him quickly here because he was he was also in Newport, so he might be um, looking to play sort of a full slate of summer events. Right, there. and he's looking to just get some wins going. I think he opens with Janapri, so that's two guys on the comeback trail there. Yeah, Richard keeps going around these tournaments hoping to see Tommy Haas win a match, <laughs> <laughs> and, he, and he doesn't do it. So I did get to see him. Send him to Atlanta. Eyes. Don't send him to Atlanta. He's got a tough match. Right, just following following the band on their on their yeah. farewell tour, basically. Um, also, there is um, Dimitrov and Barankis are also in this event. So that's, I think, like Harrison, it would not surprise me at all if you see a player like that maybe make this as their their first title run. And, um, and, and you know, I, I think a lot of, as, sm- as, as sort of minor as this event is in the grand scheme of things, uh, the players that are entered here this week um, certainly have a lot to gain still, too. Leighton Hewitt also in this. So Hey, there are a lot of stories this tournament. Sure, right? I mean, you know, sure. There's, there's some really good stories. This and you got a guy like Bogomolov who's seated, a seated American. And guys like, like you said earlier, you know, Blake Ginepri, who've been deep in the U.S. Open court because of, you know, injury trying to come back. They're not seated. Here's Bogomolov, who was going to be a teaching pro a few years ago, and now he's seated there. Yeah, and the Barankis, right? He trained a Bolateri, so if, yeah, it's not like Barankis is just, you know, some right. kid trying to collect ranking points. He's going to feel pretty much at home at this tournament on those courts, not that far from where he right. did his lifetime training. And that guy's a big talent. So, you know, you could you could see a guy like that turn up in the semifinals. And I think Dimitrov, it's a matter of time. Anybody who saw that Sanga match at Wimbledon, even in Newport, he lost early, but I was there, and there was buzz around him. People who really follow tennis or diehard tennis junkies, they it's love true. watching this guy because you see the talent who's from him. It's just... He's got to put it together. I, I have a good feeling our, our good friend, Mr. Nick Bolotero, will be down this week checking out all the... Yeah, boy. Yes. <laughs> He'll be there. Yes, he will be. So we'll see how uh, see if one of his boys does well. And um, thanks for listening. We will be in touch next week again. Another Tennis.com podcast. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. 
For all the latest news and events, head over to tennis.com.